How's that, Ed? What do you think I'm of that? About it, but it's okay. Perfect. Well, I mean, you said, "How's that, Ed?" But, yeah, was that, that a status update request? That was a uh, opportunity to hear Ed make a funny comment about how terrible it was, <laughs> and, uh, and it, it didn't work out. Yeah, but no, it's, all right. <laughs> it's almost it's all right. as funny I'm that trying. he didn't make a comment. In a way, it is. Force Silence can be funny. You. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, can we clear-cut our way to a fishing fleet while maintaining our beautiful way of life in Nusfjord? Next, we choose the course of our civilization as it grows through the ages in Tapestry. And lastly, we take the classic dot-counting game to the fourth dimension in Quadominoes. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. Hi, I'm Evan Bernstein, and I'm very proud of my LARP bona fides. Hi, I'm Ed Povolaitis, and there's a fine line between fishing and just standing there on the shore looking like an idiot. I'm Mike Renier, and I swear I'm just going camping this weekend. No big deal. LARPing 101, tell them it's camping. Tell them it's camping. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, explorers, we found a map to a hidden treasure in Morristown, New Jersey. It's called Metatopia, where we hope to discover some amazing diamonds in the rough. The place will be buzzing with creativity from designers at all stages of development. They will also have all sorts of panel discussions and opportunities to be a playtester and give feedback that can shape the game that has yet to be published. We'll be able to pull back the curtain and see what innovative ideas are making their way to the shelves. For dates and more information, check out our website at Which Game First. And while you're out there in the wild world, please give us a rating or a review. It really helps us grow and continue to explore the wide world of gaming with you. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Our first game up this week is Nusfjord, designed by Yui Rosenberg. Published by Lookout Games and Mayfair Games in 2017. Number of players 1 to 5, ages 12 and up. Playtime 20 to 100 minutes. When we caught this game while fishing on the island of Floxtadoya along the Vestfjorden, what were our first thoughts? Evan? That's a good amount of game pieces, but what's with the likeness of Paul Hogan on the main card? <laughs> Mike? So fish is my main currency? I'm going to need a bigger boat. Ed? Hey, why is everybody out getting a share of all my fish meeples? It does come with fish meeples. That is something. (laughs) (laughs) But before we cast our nets over this review, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Newsford, as the owner of a major fishing company, your goal is to develop the harbor and the surrounding landscape. Each turn, Players use their three workers to place on a central board to trigger certain actions, which allow you to enlarge your fleet, clear the forest, erect new buildings, and satisfy the local elders. Money is scarce, and one of the quicker and easier ways to get money is to place shares of your own company on the market. The village elders might want their own share of your catch as well, so if you don't take care, your catch could end up entirely in the hands of others and your camp will be empty. The game ends after seven rounds, and the player with the most points dominates the fjords of the Lofoten Archipelago. You can tell uh, (laughs) our Nordic pronunciations are on point. Oh, boy. So what type of game is this, guys? A worker placement game? 
Worker placement. Mike says resource management, probably both, right? Those two go hand in hand often. And it's all about fishing? Yeah. (laughs) Fish heavy. (laughs) You're building, you're clear cutting the forest. You're building boats to catch more fish to bribe the elders with. Hey, the elders got to eat, you know? It's true. Yeah, they always take a cut of your fish every time you uh, harvest them. But they do come in handy because they give you spots on the board that are uniquely yours. So nobody can block you from doing specific actions if the elders say it's okay. And their actions are usually more powerful than the other basic abilities on the board. Yeah, those elders have a lot of sway. They got swag. (laughs) So it is a classic looking Euro game with a very familiar Euro game art style. Yes, uh, the uh, Uwe Rosenberg games are often done in this style, and it looks just like all his other games, and it's one of the reasons why I picked it up. I just, I don't know, I just love the Euro game look. They all go well on the shelf together, right, Ed? Yes, they do. If you put them up uh, with the uh, book binding facing together, it kind of looks really cool. Yep, and you can definitely spot one of his games from miles away. So having a game that's similar to other games, that was a, a bonus for you, Ed? Yes, I do like games that are worker placement game, but this one adds a new twist. I think the elders add a neat ability to the game where you can actually buy your own pot, but it costs you fish. So it adds a new twist in the worker placement style where some of the places you have to get are elders that you have to bring into your board. Everybody gets their own play mats, mm-hmm. and they're mainly consisting of keeping track of how much forest you have left. Is that right? Well, you start with uh, your main area, which is mostly forested. And another element in the game is building buildings. But if you want to build more buildings, you're going to have to cut down the forest Uh in order to make room for those buildings. But there's the bonus. Cutting down forest gets you the wood you need to build them. But it also, if you have clear-cut areas on your board that don't have buildings or forest, every little space on there gives you negative victory points at the end of the game. So you do want to fill it with one thing or the other. Evan, how did you think the management of that was? Did it feel balanced? Very balanced, actually. It was a nice combination of having to not only manage buildings in your open spots, but also maintaining enough forest land because you are going to need wood throughout this game. So best to not entirely clear your forest out. Keep, Keep a spot open so you can keep regrowing some forest and cutting down that wood you need. And you get a detriment if all of the forest is gone, right? Well, not if you fill every space with buildings. Right. You have, you have to fill it. If you leave it empty, then it's negative victory points. And we don't want that. There is a space on the board that lets you regrow the wood. And I actually got a character, one of the elders, that helped me to regrow it with a little bit of a bonus, too. Fish. I got it. I have a pretty good accent. Pretty good bad yes. accent. Yeah. Nope. That's not good. <laughs> no. Keep trying. Ed, I love you, the fact that you're trying. It I love it. it Absolutely. Okay. So we placed our it's fish. good, uh, yes. <laughs> See? Yep. That's good. It's, that's gold. Swedish chef good. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's beaker bad. No. <laughs> So I see that you can build different types of ships. You can go from a small ship like a sloop up to a cutter or a schooner, which are bigger ships. I assume it takes more forests to get those bigger ships. And gold. Yeah, the ships are built with wood and sometimes gold and even... Do they get built with fish too, Ed? Yes, they did, some of them. Those are the only three resources in the game. Um, So you're kind of putting some of that fish back into the system. 
there's kind of a clever way to, to measure how strong your fleet is. Uh, there's a little board on the bottom and each of the different fishing boats has a different size that covers a different number of spots on the little board on the bottom. And once you reach certain thresholds, you get more fish each turn. I like that little ruler at the bottom showing how many fish you got and the chips are worth victory points and the bigger ships give you more victory points. Yes, and there are a limited amount of those ships, so grab them while you can, right, Mike? Yeah, like any of those, uh, I almost ran out of the ships I needed. It was a close call. I got crushed, by the way, in this this game. <laughs> I, I usually do well, but there was a lot of push and pull in this game that I just didn't know what was to come, so I didn't know what to plan for, and it really got me destroyed. Because <laughs> Evan was able to dominate the fjords. He did. I, I, I filled my fishing boats up to the maximum. But it didn't really help me because it was a little late. Plus, you don't get to get all of those fish that you harvest. You have to find a way to get them into your storage. Um, the normal way to do that is for the different amount of stocks that you have. Mm -hmm. There's a couple other ways on the board you can do that too, though. Right, because sometimes they can go into your reserve. But the stock, I think, is an interesting element in the game where you can issue cheers and get money. And money is very valuable in the game. That's one of the main ways to get money is to issue cheers. But... If other people buy those shares, that is fish you have to give them later. Yeah, Ed's fishing is looking pretty good over there. I better get in on that. Yeah. Um, train games sometimes have that uh, style. It does have a little element of that, yes. I mean, it, the difference here is that you have to put your stocks into a certain spot on the board, and then other people can go to that board and pay for the stocks to get them for themselves. So if you time it just right, you'll get your own stocks back and be able to use them for your fish. But then that's two actions you're giving up for other things. Yeah, man, these fish really get around. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Nussfjord. Evan? A very straightforward worker placement game and management resource game. All right, the theme's a bit narrow, but the game's very replayable, so fish it up. Mike? Anytime a game makes me want to play it again to test another strategy, that's kind of a win in my book, so dig it up. Ed? I find the twist that elders give to this Rosenberg game is a very fun addition to explore to the classic worker placement Euro game. I'll dig this up for another day on the sea. Ed, where can you find it? You can find Newsford at your local game store and online. Retail for about 70 bucks. There's also the Palace Deck expansion, which adds 44 new building cards and a variant elder card for Newsford. And... It includes metal coins. Ooh, metal coins. Blink, 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 Ching, 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 ching. If you have thoughts about Nussfjord, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. Our next game up is Tapestry, designed by Jamie Stegmeier, published by Stonemeyer Games in 2019. Number of players, one to five, ages 12 and up. Playtime, 90 to 120 minutes. Okay, when we began playing this game to avoid thinking about the inevitable approach of the singularity, what were our first thoughts? Ed? A new Stonemeyer game that provides a blank tapestry upon which to tell the story of my civilization. Evan? That is a beautiful box. I hope the game lives up to the look. Mike? I noticed that tabletop gaming is an important advance on your civilization. I am a fan. Hmm. I can blind them with science or dazzle them with tech or amaze them with my exploration or just crush everyone in war. So many choices 
and so few income phases. But <laughs> wow. before we develop and enhance this review, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Tapestry, you strive to create the civilization with the most storied history, starting at the beginning of humankind and reaching into the future. The future. On your turn, you can advance on any of the four advancement tracks, science, technology, exploration, and military, in order to earn progressively better benefits. You will also improve your income, right, Celeste? Yes. Build your capital city. Leverage your asymmetric abilities, earn victory points, and gain tapestry cards that will tell the story of your civilization. After all players have completed their fifth era, the civilization with the most points hangs their tapestry above the others. So, four very distinct tracks you can take. You can mix and match, or maybe go right up one track. (laughs) What did you guys think of the tracks? Uh, I wanted to go on a track nobody else was on, and I chose the military tree. And um, That's unusual for you, Mike. It's very unusual. I usually look for the science, technology, upgrade stuff. Um, but I tried it, you know, to see how it worked. And it kind of fizzled out without really concentrating on the exploration tree, because I didn't have anywhere to explore without that. So I couldn't conquer anything. You have to know what land you're out there in order to conquer them. Exactly. But there are four distinct tracks. It helps you... Sort of come up with your, as I like to say, plan A, plan B, and perhaps plan C if you need it. But it's very clear where you're heading. It lays it out nicely for you, each of these tracks. One thing I noticed is that some of the symbology started, especially when you started getting further up the tree, started to get a little fuzzy as to what it was supposed to mean. There's a lot going on in those advanced ages. Yeah. As you're climbing up the tech tree, for example, you'll see like an arrow and three cards with an X and a hand. Yeah. And like, what does that mean? <laughs> but they were very consistent with their iconography. They included a nice reference guide that tells you what each of the spaces on the advancement track do. I can't believe I'm about to defend symbology in a game. <laughs> I found it to train you as you went up the path. So if you were watching, it went from simple to more complex. You're right about that, Mm -hmm. Mike. But if you were watching as you went, it adds and adds as it goes. So by the time you get to, say, the fourth phase of a track, you should have already experienced those symbols in more simple forms. And the reference card is fantastic. I agree. If you just try to start with the basics, you can ease your way into learning the game. Mm -hmm. Just don't try to teach every single spot on the board. Just get over the very basic symbology, and you can learn the game as you go. Yeah, Ed, stop teaching everything in the game. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I am a hands-on, context-based learner, and this game was really good for me in that way. I deeply appreciate that because sitting through a rules reading, even watching rules, it's not enough context for me. I'm a hands-on learner. And can I just say the moment I opened the box, Holy minis. Oh, beautiful components. Cool buildings, like fully colored minis, resin. There were some beautiful buildings in here that were things you could achieve. And to have them in three-dimensional representations really made me want to accomplish those things in the game. Very attractive. Amazing incentives. Yeah, getting to a new spot on the track, like over they're kind of segmented into three parts. So if you're going up the tech track, if you're the first person to go to that next part of the track, 
you get a building and it has covers a specific amount of spaces on your city area. Yeah, a certain footprint it occupies. Um, so racing up first is a huge deal. Oh, yes. They gave a great incentive for you to race up those tracks. You look at that and like, I want that in my capital. I don't care what it does. I just want it in my capital. It'll look too good. <laughs> yeah, you want to have rows and columns in your capital city playmat because you get bonus points for that. So covering more spaces is a big deal. Yeah, your capital playmat looks like a Sudoku board. And as you complete district, you get more resources. And as you complete rows and columns, victory points. It was really fun having that little sideboard. It added just enough VPs to pay attention to it if you wanted to. I thought the VP balance here, where you had a whole bunch of different ways to gain VP, I thought it was excellent. Tons, tons of different ways. They were coming in from all sides. I loved that you could choose when to take your income phase. When to cash in, basically, your your resources and your advancement on the tracks. But be careful because... You only get to do it five times. And once you've done it your fifth time, your part of the game is ended. But other people can keep playing, which is different than most games. Yeah, love that convention, actually. I thought for sure I'd be out early and I took my income phase first. Now there are benefits and detriments to taking an income phase early. The detriment is you are earning less money because you took it early. So you have don't have enough of your engine rolling to get a ton of money. But just like in other aspects of this game, if you're the first person to do it, you gain a little benefit from that. Yep. You gain bonus resources. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to spend all every single resource I had before I started that new era because I really liked being able to build hydroponic farms and I didn't want to lose that because once you switch and take an income phase, you have to play another tapestry card, which adds a different power to your, uh, to your city, but you lose the old one that you'd already been using. The tapestry cards are a great component in this game. They change your strategy as you play through the era. And you can get a collection of these and choose what I want to do for the next era. Do I want to be good at exploring or maybe a little bit better at military? Or maybe uh, I just get to do technologies a bit better. Yeah, it requires you to be flexible. I should say it rewards you for shifting your strategies. You've got them in your hand for a while, so you get a chance to plan out where what you want to do for the next era, too. You're going to have to change eventually because the resources are going to run out, and you're going to have to start a new era. My people were called the Chosen, and as the Chosen, I got certain benefits if I were to stay out in front on as many of the tracks as possible ahead of my opponents. That's where I got a lot of my bonus victory points. Yeah, the uh, the thing that tells you what your society is called is a card that goes to the left of your board, and it has a description sort of of who you are and a, a kind of a minor power. I thought the footprint of that thing didn't really uh, match yeah. the value of it. <laughs> that would be one of my little complaints. I had a problem with that board, right? It's more of a reference sheet than a board, and it te- just tells you who you are. It's so huge that it's like, <laughs> oh, this must be an amazing power. I've got to pay attention to it. Uh-huh. But no, it is a minor power, which I'm fine with. Uh-huh. But it was represented in such a, a big way as to be distracting. <laughs> yeah. I paid attention to mine and I tried to take it to, I tried to use it to its advantages. And I came in last place. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, okay, you live and learn. <laughs> Yep. There's quite a few of those different civilizations in the game. And at the beginning, you only get a choice of two of them. 
I was lucky in that I chose the technology track, which I felt was extremely diverse. Mm-hmm. It had so many advantages on that tech track, but also I was fortunate because my first tapestry card provided a really good synergy with tech. Mm. So the tapestry synergies are important in this game. And that's what I think the tapestry cards are going to do. You're going to drive your strategy in different ways based on what you have as your options. Yeah, as it should be, because this game is called tapestry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those darn tapestries should have been the big cards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I loved the advancements that they choose to put in each category. For example, if you took the tech track, your advancements are bartering, currency, then banking, then credit cards, then e-commerce, then biometrics. The war path I thought was the most interesting. It started with ceremony, went to racing, then team sports, then tabletop games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's war, all right. <laughs> then video games, then virtual reality. Yeah, I like that. It's almost like one of the reasons why I chose to try that track because I wanted to uncover board gaming. And the miniatures that went along with those tracks were beautiful. Oh, yeah. The little mini buildings that you put onto your board. The buildings that I was removing from the from the red track or the war track looked a lot like the buildings from Trogdor, the thatch roof cottages that get burninated. Ah, that's right. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> the scariest part of this game was that the tech track ended with the singularity. You you didn't even want to get to the singularity because you were afraid of it, but it was really good. Uh, yeah, but it's still the <laughs> singularity and you have to start again. It's cool. You take your piece off the board once you get to the singularity. You get one of each resources, which is huge. And then you can put that cube onto a different track and start from the beginning. So you could actually have two cubes moving up the same track. I found the end of every track had something crazy, wild, powerful. <laughs> I messed up and I used a card called the Dark Ages, which allowed me to set my other three tracks back by one, which was cool because then I can go back and do something that I already done. And then it moves one track ahead by three. But I zoomed past a bunch of abilities that I should have actually worked my way through. And I lost many victory points from that. <laughs> and I know Evan chose science a lot of time. Not, not surprisingly, he chose the mm-hmm. science track. But what was the greatest thing about the science track, Ed? The D12 die you get to roll, (laughs) which in a weird way added a lot of randomness to to the game because you wind up moving things on the other tracks as a result sometimes, depending on what you're rolling. So roll the science die. Guys, this is exciting. I've waited all game for this. 12. Science die. Bird. Okay, so that means that's actually the the compass. I thought it was a pen nib. So you moved up once on the science track. Sweet. Because it has an X on it, Yes. that means you don't get the whatever benefit. So it's that, movement only. It's on movement only. Understood. Okay. Okay. And that would be the end of your turn. That would be the end of my advanced turn. It kind of makes sense, right? Science often has accidental results, right? Totally yeah. random advancements that cause advancements in other parts of civilization. Like, you know, penicillin was an accident. Yeah, Celeste and I had this conversation before, and she kind of convinced me, because I was like, science, that should be the least random track of all. Yeah. But yeah, that was a good (laughs) argument. (laughs) But that D12, I'm sorry, it's sitting there. I don't get to roll D12s often in games. I must have it. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury tapestry. Evan? 
This is a fun game, and again, a game with lots of replayability. It took a long time to play, though, and I felt a little disconnected during my downtime on other people's turns, but I'll revisit Tapestry again someday. Therefore, dig it up. Ed? This is a great-looking game with many interesting strategies to explore. I'll dig it up to weave the story of my next civilization. Mike? There's so many different paths to choose, and I'm sure that I'll kill it on a second play, so I'll dig it up. Well, this is one of those rare occasions where I was less bothered with the overabundance of choices than my fellow players were. I enjoyed the interesting theme and the engaging look and the custom pacing. Dig it up. Mike, where can you find it? Tapestry is due to be released November 1st, but we got ours ahead of time. Uh, You can pre-order it online or at some of your local gaming stores, and it retails for about $99. If you have thoughts about Tapestry, let us know. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at Which Game First. We'd love to hear from you. Our last game up this week is Quadominoes, published by Pressman in 1978. Number of players, two to eight, ages eight and up. Playtime, 60 minutes. Okay, when we chiseled out this ancient find, what were our first thoughts, Mike? These pieces won't stay flipped. Ed? This is dominoed with numbers on a square tile? Evan? An anagram for quadominoes is mod quinoas. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if I'm going to be at a disadvantage here, since the only thing I've ever done with a domino is stand it up and knock it down. But before we cascade our opinions on Quadominoes, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Quadominoes, there are square tiles with numbers on each corner, which you place adjacent to another tile so that their numbers match. Points are scored based on the total value of the tile placed, along with bonuses for first tile and last tile placement. The first player to place all the tiles in their hand gets to score the points remaining on the other player's hands. The first player to 800 points <laughs> wins the game. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> only 800. <laughs> However, Celeste, there is an option in which you can play to only 600. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so this is truly a game from the 70s. Uh-huh. This is a grind, <laughs> basically, is what it is. Look. We've talked about it before. In the 70s, Friday night was family game night, and you needed something to occupy the family for a good couple hours. And an 800-point game of anything will pretty much do that. (laughs) Yeah, an 800-point horse race where the first player to put down a tile gets 25 bonus points, was it? Yeah, there's no shoot the moon kind of game. part of this game you it, you slog it out so you're normally required to place uh one of your quad dominoes next to one other one that has matching numbers but if you get a tile that fits touching two or three different tiles you'll actually get to place two more tiles or take some bonus points the point of that being is that you want to get rid of the tiles that are in front of you as quickly as possible so you, you can play the last tile before someone else does And then you're allowed to add up the scores of all the tiles that your opponents have, and that becomes your bonus. Yep. And then you play another round because you're definitely not at 800 points yet. (laughs) Because if people, as they 
become accustomed to the rules of this game, which takes about 15 seconds, <laughs> they will start, they will dump their highest value tiles first. Makes sense. You want to play the most points possible early. So what's usually left over in your opponent's hands are junk tiles. Oh, this tile's worth three points. That one's worth seven points. This one's mm -hmm. worth two points. Not a lot to clean up there. Uh-oh, it's getting slim pickings now, ain't it? It is getting slim pickings. <laughs> but I got the power play right here. I have a power play. I have a power play. Johnny, you took my power ah, play. Ah, you one. took my power Three play. Three points. And ching-ching. <laughs> and ching-ching. Wow. And That's so sad. Oh, why can't these numbers How sad is it that we're burning? all eyeballing that spot? Mikey's favorite feature is the negative point where if you can't place the tile. Yes, if you don't have a tile. Backwards. No. The last thing this game needs is a negative point <laughs> balance. Yes. If you don't have the right tile, you can't place it. You get a penalty of 20 points and you have to draw another tile from the well. And if you still can't place it, you take another 20 point penalty oh, and take another tile. Each time. We had a minus 80 penalty in one hand, in one person's turn while we played. The minus 80. That's 10% of your victory. Oh, Gone. Yeah. You're trying to get to 800 in one turn, not one round. One turn, somebody lost 80 points. How long did it take you guys to play? Well, we did the 600 version. <laughs> uh <laughs> I think we got it done in about 45 minutes. Yeah, it was just under an hour for three of us. We kept it moving, but man. Did it feel like under an hour? No. No, it felt twice as long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just broke out in a cold sweat thinking about it. <laughs> well, Quadominoes, the game we played, has a Facebook page. It has 14 likes, <laughs> zero pictures, yeah. and zero posts. But there's also a hashtag for Quadominoes, and it has... 10 tweets associated with the Quadominos tag. Hashtag wow. Quadominos. So it is a sleeping giant in the social media <laughs> world waiting to wake up. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up our very Quadominos. Ed? It's a fine game of placing tiles and scoring points. And I'd pick this over a game of, say, Scrabble. What? <laughs> <laughs> but there are so many other games I'd rather play, so I'm going to bury it. <laughs> Wow. Scrabble. Ed, <laughs> I have made some big leaps in comparisons in this podcast, <laughs> but I don't think I have ever done one quite that big. That was really bold. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I know that I compared diplomacy to D&D, &D, but not even that beats Quadominoes to Scrabble. <laughs> Mike? I would have to be really bored to play this game again, like maybe trapped in a prison cell and that was the only game. So I had to say bury it. Evan? <laughs> At the risk of sounding ageist, this is the kind of game my grandmother would have liked. It's a time burner, a rainy day game to play with grandkids, maybe. But the boredom factor weighs in here, so bury it. Evan, where can you find it? Used copies are available online for about $10. But if you hit the thrift shops, you might find a copy for even less. If you have thoughts about Quadominoes, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And that brings us to the end of our show. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, including our Bonus Points podcast, 
For just $3 a month, you can click on Become a Supporter today on our website. And if you get a chance, please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It really helps others find the show, and we would love to talk to you. We're on there every day talking, right, Mike? Every single day. Join our chat on our Discord server and happy gaming explorers. All your worlds are belong to us. All the worlds are yours. Attempt no landing there. And the world fades to black. <laughs> <laughs>